Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, I am joined by outdoor enthusiast, influencer and model Laura Lou Crane. Laura's passion for snowboarding began at the age of nine and alongside professional surfing, she became fascinated with the slopes and outdoor adventure activity. Since then, Laura has represented Great Britain internationally for surfing, as well as travelling the world, competing and modelling for international brands including Nike, Billabong, Chili Surfboards and many more. Laura is dedicated to promoting a healthy body image and flying the flag for talented female surfers and sportswomen across the globe. And in this episode, Laura talks through her early experiences competing across Europe, surfing and some of her snowboarding experiences. She also talks about her journey on Love Island, the battles she encountered with eating disorders and how she looks to be an inspiration to the younger version of herself. And just before we get into this episode, I want to say a massive thank you to our friends at Dry Robe who are sponsoring this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. Get changed and stay warm with the Dry Robe Advance, the world's warmest and most versatile change robe. Designed to let you get changed anywhere, the weatherproof outer protects you from the elements whilst the super warm lining helps you dry quickly. Perfect for all outdoor activities from elite sporting events to family camping adventures. And what makes it even better is that the Dry Rub Advance is made with 100% recycled fabrics. To check out the full range of Dry Rub products, including the Dry Rub Advance, you can head to dryrobe.com. And with that, let's head straight into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. Hello. Hi, oh, how, how are, are you? I'm great. I'm good as well. It's nice to be joined by you. It's lovely to be in this little room up in Birmingham. I know. We're Glammed in... it up and everything. Look Absolutely. at it. Absolutely. There's a roller banner. <laughs> there's four white walls. You can ask for anything better. We're at the National Snow Show. You've just been on stage and you've been speaking. And now we've come to a little podcast area away from the, away from the noise. It's a bit quiet. It feels weird that there's thousands of people over there. I feel like we're on like a date or something. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> <laughs> but... We're on the Outside and Active yes. podcast, and you are very outside and very active. But before I ask you why you love that, I'm going to uh, give you a piece of advice from Katie Omrod, who oh, has been a lovely. guest on the podcast before. Yeah, I know her. Yeah, Olympic snowboarder. And her advice for you is to have as much fun as possible. Mm. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just have fun. That is incredible advice. So the question leading on from that is what brings you the most joy? The most joy. Wow. Okay. I mean, this is going to sound very cliche, but it is just being outside, generally just fully immersed in nature is what brings me the most joy. For instance, surfing, obviously, as it is my first love um, (laughs) with a close secondly followed with snowboarding. Um, Yeah, just being like out fully immersed in the elements, kind of just not really knowing what's coming next, but enjoying the moment that you have right in front of you for sure. So then leading on from that, you kind of answered it there. But what do you love about being outside and active? Oh, I love so many things about being outside and active. I just, I think it's that element of just pure freedom um, that I have. Like whether it's even just walking my dogs at the path at the back of my house or charging some stupid wave. Um, It just brings me this level of, I guess, escapism. I was a terrible child at school. Um, I mean, in my parents' <laughs> eyes, I was a char- terrible child. I was not particularly academic and I just created like quite a terrible environment for my parents to have to go into school and chat them often. But um, yeah. my real 
just escape, I suppose, from being kind of quite embarrassed about how I was academically with my dyslexia and stuff was literally to be fully immersed in the water and whether it was literally hiding from the school bus in the ocean. I think now I understand a little bit more about what those kind of triggers and traumas were, but definitely without that connection to the outside, whether it was the ocean, mountains, being on a run, it really did just give me this element of quiet mind, which I think, especially at that age, is so hard to tap into. And even now as an adult, like I still use that same kind of quiet mind um, connection with nature and just being outside was the outdoors the water the mountains at your doorstep when you were younger um so I was actually born in Bristol so I guess kind of um but no I (laughs) no not really I was I did everything but I was a gymnast I used to ride motocross I was skating but much more like kind of city sports motocross not really but more city sports um and then we moved to North Devon when I was eight years old and that's when I first got on a on a surfboard and just loved it from the first moment that I was standing like gliding along a wave for anybody that's listening that has ever surfed before you'll know what that feeling is like and anyone who hasn't you should definitely try it um but yeah just I guess being near the ocean and stuff growing up it was really important obviously to be a professional surfer (laughs) but I think it's so accessible these days in the sense of like you can get trains and just with a little bit of willpower to kind of make it to the ocean um but actually I lived in London for two years about a year ago um, and I really missed that connection to the water and I found myself learning to cold water swim, which I absolutely love now, which I never thought I'd say because I used to hate surfing in the cold water, but I now find myself in bikinis in like snow lakes. But anyway, besides the point, um, if you really want to create that connection to the ocean, nature, a river, a lake, whatever it might be, there is always an option there. And yeah, I found myself swimming in the Thames and that bought me a lot of happiness. That so is cold though. Don't judge it till you try it. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to put you on the spot and I know that we're at the National Snow Show, but you can't take that into any bias. <laughs> um, and you had to be stuck on a desert island with a surfboard or a magical snow island. Mm, with that sounds nice. A snowboard. Which one would you choose? I would still have to choose surfing. Yeah, is yeah. That, that, that's your heart. You know what? It's funny because I lost this kind of love for surfing after I finished competing, which was quite scary for me. But also I just kind of knew that it would be an element of time because a lot of athletes had all said the same thing. Um, and without finding my love for snowboarding, I perhaps wouldn't have regained my love for surfing in such a quick amount of time. Um, so don't get me wrong, they're hand in hand, but I just feel much more comfortable in the water. I kind of, I think with any sport, learning how to read your sport for obviously surfers, it's to learn to read the ocean, snowboarders, it's learning to read the mountain conditions. Um, I just feel more comfortable in the ocean, but I also really enjoy feeling totally out of control in the mountains too, and being way out of my depth. (laughs) So surfing when you were younger, when did it become, oh, this is something I enjoy to realizing this is actually something I'm quite good at and could do something with um honestly from the moment I stood on a surfboard I knew I didn't want to do anything else like I did 
every sport under the sun. My parents would like drive me around to every single after school club when I was a kid. Um, and the moment I touched a surfboard, that really was it. I just loved everything about it. Um, the feeling, the element of being in the water and just kind of like, I say it even now, being out in the ocean, knowing no one can come and get you is like a really special thing for me. It's my safe place. Um, so it was pretty soon on that I knew it was a big part of my life, but I suppose at 12, which is pretty young, um, I'd been surfing for like four years and I got sponsored by Billabong, which obviously was a pretty big deal at that age. And it was one of my craziest dreams, like coming to life. Um, I was so cool. It was sick. And it happened like, have you ever watched Blue Crush? No. Oh, bro, you have to watch Blue Crush. Anyway, for anyone who hasn't watched Blue Crush on there. <laughs> um, so basically, I was 12 years old. I won the British Nationals for under 14s, 18s, um, and the women's all in the first year. And so, yeah, that was kind of the moment I knew I could probably add I'm something going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that was it really. After 12, I just kind of was already traveling with Billabong, doing photo shoots and competing in the pro juniors in Europe and it happened very, very quickly, I have to be honest. Um, maybe a little bit too quickly, which I later realised in my adult life. But it was my dream. No one could have stopped me. My parents were incredible. They supported me through everything, the highs, the lows. Um, but yeah, definitely it was it was a very it was a it was much quicker than I thought it was gonna be, put it that way. It's interesting you say in, in my adult adult life, because you're still only twenty 20- 27. Oh, lovely. Oh, God. Oh, accidental compliment. <laughs> yeah, Look at that. Um, but when you start competing at, or, you know, surfing from eight and competing at 12 and, you know, traveling around, that's a lot of experience for a young person. Mm-hmm. Does that, obviously, that must interrupt studies yeah, and definitely. friends and other social, same norms that other kids have. Yeah. But it's exciting. Sure. You're sponsored by Billabong. You're going around different countries doing really cool stuff, but it must have had an effect. Definitely. hundred percent. I would love to say, no, I was fine. It was all a breeze, but, um, there's, I mean, yeah, I lost out on those just basic friendships that people have from school. I don't really have any friends from school, which as well, I was traveling and it was hard to maintain them for one. Um, but I also found it quite hard to spend time with those people because of doing such different things. And, um, yeah, you you naturally, you miss out on a lot of things. My schoolwork, naturally, as I said, was not a massive school lover. Um, so to miss a few lessons here and there, I was pretty happy about it. But definitely it then made it hard for me going in back into school when I had to be there for certain periods of time because I felt like I was really behind. Yes, I was learning like insane things about traveling the world and being in like third world countries and then being in these like crazy scenarios in just wherever, you know, charging huge waves and learning about different like cultures and all these things. So there was an element of my education was so rich in some aspects, Mm. but also just academic math, English, those kinds of things. I really was super insecure of. Luckily, I haven't yet needed them that much, which has been a bit of a godsend. Um, But definitely it's hard. And I think there's much more support for younger athletes now than there was back in the days because... Dude, no one believed I was actually going to make it as a pro surfer. My school tutors used to laugh at me and be like, no, but what are you actually going to do? Because it was weird. Like, no, I mean, there still hasn't been many, I think, British female surfers that have 
like made a real career for it, which is sad. And I would love to be able to say in 10 years that we've got this big kind of flurry of female surfers or female athletes just as a whole that can yeah. create a career for themselves. But yeah, definitely it was, it was tough, but I would not change a day of it. Was there a, a similar age group of people that were kind of going around the circuit with you so you could kind of make friends there, but I guess yeah. it's different. And to be honest, be, so signing with Billabong, you have your Billabong team, that's your family, your, that's the people you okay. you travel with them all year, nine months of the year, that is your crew. And then obviously we had the GB team, which we did maybe like one week with a year. So there's you have definitely, my best friends are the people that I traveled the world with from the age of 12 till 22. So yes, 100% that I'm very, very lucky that I had those relationships. But at the same time, they're your friends, but the next day you might be sleeping in the same room as them, but also competing against them in the yeah. evening. So it gives you this element of like kind of feeling a bit uneasy with certain relationships, which I think in my older life now, I've had to really resurface and realize that my friends aren't my competitors and they genuinely care about me for me and, and those things. But yeah, definitely. Um, that was definitely a trauma that I took from traveling with my yeah. <laughs> competitors <laughs> at 21 years old you decide to stop doing that mm -hmm. what led to that moment how tough was that was it trying to start something new yeah definitely I mean for me at the age of 21 it was uh, it was a really really hard time in my life competing was going relatively well but I knew I was missing a massive part of what it was going to take to get to where I wanted to be and again, from traveling at such a young age. And for me, it was, it was a, it was a mixture of both. It was pressure as an athlete, but it was also pressure from sponsors as I suppose a model. Cause I was taking photos in my bikini and they were really pushing that on us when we were quite young, we were 15 years old and Instagram then arrived and we had overnight 20,000 followers, which doesn't sound like that much now, but, but it was then, a lot back yeah. then. Um, so it was, it was intense very, very quickly. Um, and I developed a terrible eating disorder that really kind of took away the person that I thought I was or that I thought I had meant to be. Um, and yeah, I just had to take a step back because the more I was going into this space of an eating disorder, the more I was retracting from my sport. And also I couldn't train the same, even though I was trying to, my body was just saying, no, I got some really terrible injuries. And I knew that if I ever wanted to go back to it, I needed to leave it at that point um, and just do a lot of work on myself and understand where I was going, where I wanted to be and all these things that I'd never had really a chance to look at when I was 12 <laughs> Because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be Anne-Marie from Blue Crush, <laughs> which is great <laughs> until you have to kind of feel some things out along that journey. So, yeah, definitely it was it was a really hard decision and one that I'm really happy and proud that I managed to make um, for my family and for myself as well. But, um, yeah, it was hard. I think any athlete that leaves their sport, which when it feels too soon, is always going to leave a bit of a kind of sour taste. But I know that it was definitely the best decision I've ever made. Extremely brave. And sometimes it can be injuries, but this was your decision. And it, it's it's an injury of the mind it, from mm -hmm. the way that you talk about it. Uh, were people aware, around you in your team, family, aware of what you were going through? Is it something you kept to yourself? Yeah, I mean, honestly, in sport, there is just such an unspoken history of mental health and especially eating disorders in men and females and it's something that actually my teammates that we traveled with as a group 
we've in the last probably three years only started speaking about, oh, I was really struggling with bulimia and my also teammates were really struggling with other forms of eating disorders and depressions and taking pills and all these other things. And I pray that there is more support for the young people in sport and old people, whatever, just more support. And I, I know there is, um, but there will be almost an element always that people see mental health as a weakness or having not this just all day, every day mental strength. People in sports see that as weakness, which, yeah, I guess there is an element of if you're not a mentally strong person in your gameplay, it will come across as a weakness in some form. But I think people have to understand that talking about it isn't the weakness um, because there's such a fine line, you know, in being honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. Because, yeah, it's t- it's tough to go through that on your own. And the bravery that you showed with that decision is is obviously I just touched on before, but another level of bravery to to have the issues that you said you you were dealing with, but then to go on to a reality television show where effectively people are judged by the way that they look in a bikini or in swimwear is an incredibly brave thing to do without having gone through that. Yeah, was that a point of you going basically? Screw it. I'm, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show off who I am and almost be a role model. Well, not almost be a role model for those people looking, you know, watching you. Yeah. 100%. I have to be honest. When I entered that show, I definitely thought I had a, a lot more sussed out than I did. Really? <laughs> um, but exactly what you said for me, I just had seen on TV and when I was growing up, that there was no one that looked like me. Yes. There was lots of different types of role models that were on TV, but I never saw, for me, it was a very physique thing. And I hadn't seen many women that were quite like muscular and like sporty. You kind of had that like skinny and then curve, which both are really super stunning in my eyes. And I would have in a lot of times my life loved to be either one. Um, But there wasn't, I felt much representation for the girl with the big shoulders and a little bit of bicep and maybe a bit of a V, you know? And I think that was something that I really wanted to just be somebody on TV that 15 year old Laura could have looked up at and be like, okay, I'm sweet. Like I'm, I'm good. You know, I I can be like her and that's okay. Um, And even today, like when I was doing the talk and we managed to end up getting talking about eating disorders. And it was a young girl who asked me the question. And these are the things for me sitting in the audience and knowing that I am sat on stage is still wild to me. Um, But knowing that she had that chance to ask me the question, I wish I had somebody to ask and I can give that advice because I've been through it. All I can just pray is that she doesn't have to go through it for as long as I did. And I said to her like, dude, message me. Like if you ever have, because she told me like, I'm, a month into my recovery, it's a long road. It does you don't fix that overnight, and it's it's terrible. But I think the more that we talk about it, and the more role models there are that openly speak about it, genuinely, honestly, because I looked at people when I was in my recovery, and still I would say I'm still in my recovery. Um, that I was like, how was it so easy for you? You know, almost kind of blowing it off and making it seem like it was this easy thing. Oh, I used to like puke my. It's not just about that. It's such an inside like traumas you've had through through childhood and all these other things that amount up to you then puking your food you know which is really matter of fact and I do try to make it like that because that is the simplest part of my eating disorder 
Um, and yeah, like you said, I went into Love Island thinking, okay, sweet, I've got this. I'm just going to do my team proud. <laughs> and then I came out and there was lots of people that wrote horrible things again about my body. And I definitely relapsed terribly after Love Island. Um, and it was only actually last year or now two years ago um, that I got help with this incredible therapist and that was a big help for me and that's why I say to you I'm always in recovery because you're constantly learning like to restrict your food is such a basic level of just human life I think so it's making sure that you're just always in control of it for definitely obviously you said that you kind of went through that relapse and then sought out that help but do you feel like you achieved what you want on, went on there to achieve and you were happy with it? Would you change anything about your experience? No, absolutely not. I had an amazing experience, honestly, and met some great people, um, learned a lot about myself, more than I ever could have learned on any surf trip. Um, and I just learned that actually that person that I'd been trying to break for the last 15 years was actually kind of cool that she was just trying to do her best and have the best punt at what was in front of her. And yeah, that, that it was great for me because nobody could tell me wrong from right or I had no coach after I got out telling me, oh, you should have done this better. It was subject to the situation you were in. I think, yeah, I learned a lot about just normal life. I hadn't lived normal life. So yeah, there was just times where I was like, oh, wait, I complicated so much when I was an athlete. Like it really is not that hard to, you know, differentiate normal life and all these like shows and all those things. Like I just put it all on such a pedestal and actually just being quiet and happy in your own mind at home is worth so much more than all of that stuff. I saw an interview with you and a quote really stood out to me. Um, My sport has always been my superpower. How important is an active lifestyle for you? Obviously we speak a lot with other guests on this podcast about how mental health and mental wellbeing and being active, there is a correlation. It's, mm-hmm. it's scientifically proven now. But for you, just is it an integral part? Is it part of your structure of your week? Whether that be, you know, a two-hour gym session or mm-hmm. surfing or whatever, or just a 10-minute walk? Yeah, 100%. Lockdown was incredible for me for this because I didn't realise how important just moving my body was in whatever way that was. I used to really hammer my body, like beast it and that was something that I really had to learn in my recovery to not do as much because it was just another form of kind of beating myself up. But um, in lockdown, I just had this moment every morning. I woke up, I had nothing else to do, go on my walk for 10 minutes. And everyone was like, God, like you walk every day. And it was the only thing that kept me sane. Like I just felt mental had I not been on this little, you know, trot for maybe a little run for five minutes, but I wasn't making it into something which I always had made other sports into like, oh, I have to get this PB. A walk is a walk. Like, yeah, you maybe can overtake the dog walker in front of you (laughs) because I'm competitive like that, but that is like as much as you can do, you know? So yeah, for sure, sport and just being outside, whether it's a walk, being in the gym is such a big part of my life because it's quiet. Like my mind is just so quiet I can put my music in or not have my music in and I just focus solely on the moment that I have right in front of me which I never realized the value of that until I kind of was in lockdown and had just nothing else to worry about apart from that moment because yeah no we thought we were locked up I don't know I honestly thought we were going to be locked up for like five years 
Really? Yeah, I really did. I had friends say it was the other way, oh, now two weeks, two weeks and we're back out again. And then there's you on the other side going, five years, I'm going to have me, 10 minutes of walk day, take the dogs out. I was having a lovely time, mate. Pandemic for me, I actually had a, I loved it. Were you in England? Yeah, I was in the UK. So that in itself is quite surprising. But um, yeah, I just, I loved it. Like, I think it was the simplicity of not, of knowing I didn't have to be anywhere else. Because sometimes when I'm like, chilling I feel like oh god I've got to be doing maybe that or no you just got to go on your five minute walk for your mental health and that's it <laughs> what was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself in the last two years in the last two years that I'm way too hard on myself um and that that just doesn't aid me in any way just to be kinder because I think it's so easy to not be kind to yourself. It's so easy to be kind to everyone else you're around and all of these things. And we're taught so much to worry about our peers or our family and things. And it's so easy to neglect yourself. So for me, definitely just spending more time on me has been really, really important. And do you like to keep yourself busy? Because surfing, snowboarding, you know, modeling stuff, doing lots of talks. And like you've spoken about eating disorders and mental mm. health, you do a lot of work with that now. Do you like to keep busy? I love being busy, definitely. I think I used to feed my mental health struggles with keeping busy. So I've also had to definitely look at that and make sure that I am giving myself enough time and doing more surf trips and more snow trips and all these things. I think it's so easy not to book the trip, you know? And I would always, always, always say, if you're in a group chat with your mates and the amount of group chats that I used to be in and be like, oh, we'll do this trip here and we're going to chase this swell or whatever. And then I'd be like, oh, actually, I'm going to not because I've got this work. Book the trip. Just book the trip. Go on the trip. Even if it's going to stretch the bank a little bit, go on the trip. Because you always come back and feel like, oh, okay, now I can properly apply myself to the things that I wanted to be doing, you know? Um, and that for me has definitely been a thing to kind of step back a little bit from work and not worry so much about finance um, and just try and enjoy like the moments we have right here and right now. Interesting that the sports that you've tried since you were young, surfing, snowboarding, you said mo- motocross, mm-hmm. motorbike. Yeah. <laughs> not some things that you would say were synonymous to England and the yeah, UK. Yeah, <laughs> What do you love about those sports? Is there a sport that you haven't tried that you would love to? Um, yeah. Do you know what I loved about those sports was there was no girls. And I was like, why? Hmm. I've always been somebody, my parents would tell you this if they were here, that always felt that they need to push the boat a bit, just to rock it a little bit. Um, and that was it for me. Honestly, like I did all these sports, like gymnastics, obviously lots of females swimming. I used to swim as well. And it was, and I used to go actually to motocross with my little brother and was like, why is there no girls here? Like, and I was like, give me a helmet and I'm in there. And that was for me, one of the biggest things that even still now, yeah, I'm a feminist hundred percent. I want there to be equal for the next girl that there wasn't maybe for me back then. And I want it to just evolve constantly. But I also don't want to bring boys down in the process, which for me was like, I don't want you to look at me like a female. I want you to look at me as a motocross kid in this local place we used to go to. I want to beat you because I'm better than you. And that was it. So for me, it really did just start as this like, well, why can't I? You know, and I was always asking like, why can't I go and surf there? Why can't I? And when I first started surfing, girls didn't surf pipe. 
And then slowly in time, they've got their own comp and we used to go out there and charge. And it's sick because I saw that evolution. I was part of it. And that really was a massive thing for me, which I didn't realize while I was doing it was we were really creating change um, and standing up for things that probably hadn't been stood up for in our sport before, Um, which, yeah, is that was a big, big deal for me is like, well, why can't we? Why aren't we there? Um, so yeah, I did. It's, it's funny because <laughs> Katie, who offered you the advice at the beginning, said exactly the same thing about snowboarding yeah. of when she started when she was five, and she got mm. to almost word for word said what you did. See the progression in her industry of going from women not being, you know, oh, no prize money in competitions, etc., to then being have you know being at the Olympics, competing for medals on the same like mm-hmm. all the same level so it's it literally like gives me goosebumps thinking about it because the fact that we're even here someone asking people like me and katie these kind of questions that in itself has changed because no one listened to us before like even like 10 years ago people didn't care really what the girls had to say because it wasn't marketable or you didn't sell bikinis or you didn't sell snow now i mean they know what the girls are doing <laughs> <laughs> a couple of quick five Questions before we get on to the last couple of bits from you. And I'm going to ask you for your advice at the end as well. So be thinking of that. (laughs) Um, If you had to go on another reality TV show or game or challenge or whatever, what do you think you'd be the best at? Um, Just the physical challenges. That's like always. SAS? Yeah, I think I'd love that. Yeah, that's I for sure would do SAS. I think I've just been in training for the last two years, living in the mountain to be ready for it. So yeah, I'm, I'm out there. If you could click your fingers and teleport to anywhere in the world, be there for a week, where would you want to go? Right now, even though I was just there, Maldives. Oh, yeah, so relaxing. Good, oh, loads. So I am good. Jealous. As we sit in a nice, cold, wintry. Hey, <laughs> London. I arrived in Birmingham. The sun was out today, so really, yeah, we're halfway there. Well, I'll be stuck in this box all day. There we go. <laughs> that teaches me. What would you tell fifteen-year-old Laura if she was sitting here? I would tell 15-year-old Laura, just keep going. Just keep going. Respect that the hustle is the hustle, (laughs) honestly. Um, And, yeah, just to know that, trust your gut, honestly, because there's so many times when I look back now and think she knew what to do but my mind talked me out of it. So yeah, I would just tell her to really trust her gut. (laughs) What's next for you now? Next for me is, I hope, a lot of what I've already been doing, but um, more travel for sure, um, but to spaces where I would like to see change and um, also help like certain areas with, I do a lot of work with now uh, Surfers Not Street Children, which is an organisation out in South Africa and they're bringing in, street children who have literally nothing um, and teaching them how to surf and giving them this connection to the ocean and also teaching them a lot of other things as well to help them through life. So loads of kind of things like that. It's just what I'm more passionate about. I've also started um, a retreat company, which again is just to get more people out in nature. And I guess in my recovery, I realized how important my connection to the ocean and being outdoors is and if I can share that with just a handful of people <laughs> unless it grows to this huge massive company <laughs> um, yeah if I can make somebody feel more comfortable in the ocean which is somewhere a lot of people feel uncomfortable and I can give them that safe space 
that for me is just so awesome. Laura, thank you so much. It's been extremely inspiring and very appreciative of you giving up your time and talking about um, some, some difficult topics and inspiring our, our listeners. One more thing from you, though. Yes. A piece of advice that you'd like to offer a guest that okay. will be coming to our podcast. You're not going to know who that is. It can be about anything. Um, mm. Piece of advice. This is your stage. Listen to the heart, not the head. Because I think, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's always right. Um, because those emotions that you can feel in your chest, they just don't relate by the time they get to your brain. So if something feels right in the moment, do it. Um, and no regrets, just do it. Do it. <laughs> That's a great way to finish. Thank you so much, Laura. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Outside and Active podcast with Laura Lucrain. It was genuinely a pleasure to sit down with Laura, chat about all of her experiences in the outdoors and also her experiences on Love Island, her battles with how she looked and how she wanted to kind of prove to people how there are different body types and she was confident in her own body and really amazing to hear and um, yeah we really hope you enjoyed the podcast as always if you enjoyed this episode and you think you know someone who might enjoy it just as much as you then send this over to them we're on apple we're on spotify we're on a number of different podcast platforms and let's grow this awesome community and once again a massive thank you to our friends over at dry rope who are sponsoring this episode of the podcast an amazing product an amazing brand we really highly recommend you go and check them out at dryrope.com check out the dry rope advance if you love open water swimming or even just walking your dog in the rain it's the the perfect product so yeah head over and check that out at dryrobe.com enjoy the rest of your week we know it's dark we know it's getting colder but there are plenty of opportunities to get outside and if you want some inspiration advice you can head over to outsideandactive.com but until next time where we'll see you on the outside and active podcast enjoy the outdoors we'll be right back.